Welcome to episode number 36 of the Turfcast podcast. Man, it has been quite a journey since our last show. I don't even know what we have or have not talked about. RD and I have just been zombies roaming around the world. And Is it that or do we just have major commitment issues to each other, Ryan? I think we need to talk about it. No, well, we might. We might have... <laughs> We might need to get a counselor in here or something and sit down and say, what is going on between you two? Yeah. Why can you only talk once every eight weeks? It's weird, guys. But when we Ah. do talk, it's so good. It is. It is. It is. I I, I don't know. Like uh, the wiring in our brains could not be more similar in terms of just like, you know, most people have a breaking point. And I mean, not to say that we don't, but. There is just something about um, getting stressed, getting anxious, getting busy, and the your uh, natural defense mechanism to correct that is to work more and work harder and <laughs> not pick your head up. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the mode we've been in, folks. So um, you know, you can write us letters and tell us how unhealthy it is, but it's just the way we are, right, RK? Yeah, that's true. My wife keeps telling me you need to leave for a few days and get away from all this stuff that you're doing. And I say, there's no possible way for me to do that. Especially, (laughs) you know, this year it's just, I don't know how I went from having two properties last year. Although I will say I had a lot of plots last fall. So I got to look at it like that. And I did add a front yard, but I don't know how I went from two places and filming like a series on our building last year and keep up with, all of that I was doing, I have no idea. I mean, I don't sleep much as is, but this year I feel like I'm actually even more bogged down than I was before. And I'm not sure how that's possible, but I I don't know. I think that's sinking your teeth into like a, a new place, a new property and you become more immersed in everything like that. And maybe people that are homeowners can attest, you know, getting into someplace new and getting into your digs, you know, so to speak. And then, trying to make that better. I don't know. I feel like that's a thing. I, I, I felt like that was a thing um, in my professional career and going to a new golf course or a new, mm-hmm. you know, park or, you know, so I, Hey, just take it for what it's worth is, you know, you're improving the property. You're, you're biting off a lot more now. This isn't uh, you know, this isn't the old place, no. which all right, by the way, I saw the video, like, uh, I can't remember, it was, the last, it was the second to last one, and there, I think there was the thumbnail or one of the pictures that came up for me was a picture from your old house, and I swear to God, when I saw it, I was like, he went back. <laughs> he did a video of going back. This is the and age old question. The, I get this question uh, almost every video, and I've told... When... Uh, I want to I storyboard this real quick, though. Okay. Here's the would you rather. Would you rather show up like drive yourself over there and film yourself going out. Would you rather be tricked into going there? Right. And you show up and like, there's a whole like camera crew rolling over there or whatever. Or would you rather us like chloroform you and put you in a black van, like an old school. Right. And then take you over there and you'll just wake up like laying on the lawn. So yeah, you know, I'd be like, what the hell's going on? I tell everyone this and they don't believe me, but I knew what was going to happen before. Like, I don't need to go back to know what happened. 
I know that sounds very weird to say, but I like, I legit know everyone's like, do you think they're keeping it up like you were? No, absolutely. The answer is no, because no one was going to do the amount of crazy level of work that I was doing. And I know for a fact, because I've had a few spies in the area that I still know a few people over there, (laughs) that there is a boat parked on the side lawn. So do I need to know what it looks like when I found out that information? No, I don't know. Need to know what it looks like. Is there, let me ask this too. Okay. I've thought about this often. Is there anything, I mean, there's plenty of things, I guess, but is there anything else in a house or a property that you buy that you could literally just go from like, you walk in the door and it looks like that, right? It looks like it did. Mm Mm-hmm. And then just decide, you know what, that's too much for me and just let it go. I don't want to say to shit, but like to like, just let it swing all the way back in the other direction. Like you can't do that to like a basement. You can't do that to an appliance. I'm, you know, no, you're not going to clean the toilet. It's, it's, it's just a weird thing that, you know, that's so, so subjective that you could walk into and be like, you know what? F that. Um, (laughs) I'm not doing that. And I'm not saying that somebody needs to reel mow the lawn because, you know, the historical plaque that will go there someday that say Ryan nor lived here one at one time. <laughs> It'll you know? be like a burial ground that'll have a fence around. <laughs> <laughs> Scatter my ashes on the hell strip. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, there's no point to that, I guess. It's just, it, it, it's strikingly odd to me that there could be that much um, of a delta between what was and what is. Uh, so quickly, but eh, that's what happens when you're taking care of a living thing. I get me, I guess that's the other part of it. It's, well, you know, yeah, that's what I was actually going to say is it's a very good representation of what can happen pretty quickly to an area when you just don't take care of it anymore. You probably do a lot of practices and things that you shouldn't do. Like we've talked about many, many times like, Oh, I don't want to mow the lawn for three weeks and now I want to mow it on the lowest setting. And you know, it's my brother actually was here the other day and he said something like, he's like, I wish people could somewhat see behind the scenes of actually what goes on and your level of commitment to what you're doing. And as if it's like, it's like, I don't want to say that it looks easy to people, but I, I was like, here's an example with real mowing just he understands it now where he's like, okay, so you're out here no matter what, like every other day whatever it is, like there is no just deciding. I told him this. I was like, there's no deciding for, I'm going to go on a two week vacation and not mow my lawn and then come back home, try to cut it back down to where it is. Like, yeah, could I do it? But the reason that things continue to look the way they do is, as you know, like very meticulous ongoing care. And then once you start to stray from that is when things just don't look as good. And some people are totally fine with that. It all comes down to our favorite thing, RD, expectations. Yeah, and I, I don't know. There's there's that element, too, of uh, really anywhere you go. And, and the funny thing is, and this is why I catch myself doing it from time to time, too, and you have to stop yourself and say, okay, so you, know, you, you and I are extremely motivated to a perverse level by you know, grass and maintaining it, right? And the people that are in your comments and, and in your crawl that are like, oh my God, like you're taking it way too seriously. Real mowers, Ventrac, big equipment. I'm out, man. You jump the shark. Like all that stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. I get it. But there's probably something 
that they're super passionate about and take way more time, effort, energy to execute and do and keep up with and everything like that. And I think you have to just appreciate that about people. You yeah. have to appreciate that that part about people, but also too think about and and I I, I went to this this was like a seminar I went to way long time ago. Um, and the idea was behind like you know think of the everyday things that you do. Go to the grocery store, for example, right? And all of the effort and energy it took a whole bunch of people to make sure that you could have you know fresh produce there mm-hmm. or that the st- the shelves were stocked and everything like that. And same thing is like, if people want to consume this content, it is what it is. So again, no, that's I've, the beauty I've of this podcast. There is no point to what we're saying. Yeah. We're just saying stuff out loud. It's great. I've had that comment probably two or three times in the last couple of weeks. That was like that exact thing. You're just such a weirdo. If you spend this much time on grass or anything to that level. And I don't comment back on any of that stuff because it's a complete waste of time. But what I would say to them is the same thing you just said. Like, I think in my head, there is something that those people have some sort of passion for. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. But to think that they don't and that we should be going around telling people what they can and can't be passionate about just drives me nuts because I'm like, why can't I just do what I want to do? I mean, I thought that's the whole point of what we're supposed to be doing in a land of the free. So, you know, so you hear that people, if, if, if the haters do listen is, you know, the comment, the most, um, pointed comment should be, man, you're a weird MFer, but I respect it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Weather talk, real (laughs) talk here. You got to pull, uh, pull up the forecast as you do for this. Uh, I'm going to do that. It old. has been literally one of the most cherry, cool season growing oh, yes. summers of I, that I can remember in the last 25 years. I was going to say I mean, the same thing, and I've been doing this as long as you have. So I was going to get your take on that. But I told Kelsey yesterday, I said, if this is what summer was always like, then I wouldn't be bitching and complaining so much, but you know, this is like one out of a million here. He's lying to you, Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. She knows I'm lying. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Look at this. Okay. So, uh, we're recording this. This is Tuesday, August 1st. And I'm looking at this weekend after the cold front moves through. So a little, little, little steamy here coming into the weekend, but then these are highs 78, 73, 78, 78, 79, 78. That's big time stuff I mean, leading into the first third of August. Does that ever happen in the first week of August? I don't. We had, we had something like this happen last year, um, late July into early August. And yeah, it was just like, I can remember, uh, yeah, this was last year. It was a Saturday. So I remember I was out looking at blue or Bermuda grass fields and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> this is not good. And, um, I think it, I had like a sweatshirt on. Yeah. And, and yeah. Well, some of those uh, so, lows too are getting down there into our. Yeah, you got a 59. There's a 59 on here. So I don't know, man. Like the, 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 the first fake fall. Yeah. I mean, it's a Midwest tradition. So I wouldn't get too worked up about it, hyped up about it. I mean, and I don't know. Oh, I'm going on to. Your end. I'm definitely going to. I know to. you will. I'm 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 picturing you smoking like a corn cob pipe in front of the fire, the shade area, on that first fifty nine degree night, and you know. No, I'm going to be renovating tons of stuff because I'm like, this is great. 
Well, that's that's kind of where you know uh, on on our front, it's been uh, we've we've had some we had a good week last week as far as hot weather. You know, looking at Bermuda grass, and also we've got bluegrass out there too. So you know, has not been a stressful year in bluegrass. So one week in the nineties and we're like, ah, okay, whatever, mm-hmm. like not a big deal, but trying to get this Bermuda to fill in has been interesting. And uh, we're actually pulling the ripcord on uh, one of the fields here tomorrow. We're going to just go ahead and overseed it, which it's a little early. It's a couple weeks earlier than we normally would, but like, you know, when the weather deals you a hand, not bad hand, but it's like, yeah. Okay. Like yep. we've filled in, sufficiently well we'd like to be a little bit further along but you know we got perfect literally perfect growing weather for uh bermuda grass or excuse me for ryegrass germination let's do it yeah and i i didn't i knew i would have to twist your arm to be like yeah it's a great day to plant ryegrass i mean literally any day in the nor at nor family turf farms in westbury is is a great day to plant ryegrass so well I'd like to say that, but you know, now I actually am getting into prime, which is nice because I was looking at August thinking, I can't wait another month to do some of these projects. I'm just going to, it's just, I've been staring at too many things that have need renovation and wanting to do them. So the weather has just turned and given me some great opportunities to do some things, but so, what does that mean? More work. <laughs> More work. I was thinking of you uh, the other day, speaking of ryegrass and planting and all that and plots and whatnot. And we were having a chat about uh, research projects for Ohio state to do out their research facility here in Columbus. And I said, uh, you know, somebody needs to do the ryegrass. I I call it the ryegrass 52 project, which was every week for 52 weeks, you know, pick a day, you know, Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, I don't care. Once a week, plant ryegrass in a three by five plot and then just grow it and see what happens and see how it looks. And then you have them all kind of lined up, you know, and you just kind of see the progression of, you know, maturation, you know, bad weather at seeding. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And, and I don't know why you've uh, tempted me with such things, but <laughs> well, so it's funny is one of the, um, one of the, the professors there was like, that seems very interesting, but like, I don't think we would do that, but who the hell would? And I was like, I know a guy. Yeah. I got a guy. <laughs> so I'm not saying to do it, but think about, you know, that's, uh, that's some long form content, you know, the, the Ryegrass 52 documentary. Yeah. You know, it could be another piece of uh, large content. Watching grass grow. <laughs> yeah, that would be the title. Is that on IMDb? Does anybody have. I'm going to look this up. Does anybody have watching grass grow as a, as a documentary title? Eh, I don't know. Watching grass grow. Yeah. So we did have a little, have you had any heat stretches at all? Like, cause we had a couple days where we got to about, well, right at a hundred for like three days straight, but nah, we topped out. We've had uh, two, two big stretches of heat. One was before our last cast right around Memorial day weekend. And then this past week, I think one day, we hit like 95 maybe. And I, like I said, that was not terrible. Nighttime, nighttime lows were high. That, that was the first time we'd seen that in a while. And we were in some Pythium weather there for four or five days, but you know, all things considered it's been, you know, I, I always, a good measuring stick is like, you know, how many, um, you know, Oh shit sprays or, um, 
you know, off, off program sprays, I believe is the politically correct term. We've had absolutely zero of those, you know, everything's been pretty much to the book on that as far as fungicides and everything goes. So I, I can't say anything bad about this summer. I can't say anything bad about the weather. Okay. We've had timely rain have not gotten too wet. Um, I know some areas of the Midwest have been really on both ends of the spectrum. I know here, Michigan, Toledo, um, up through there, they've had a lot of rain these last couple of weeks. And there's parts out of, uh, the corn belt in Illinois uh-huh. and parts of Iowa that are really dry. Yeah. So, that's what I was going to say is our last decent rain, which I have on my spreadsheet here is, was the 17th of July. We got four tenths, which is, oof. uh, between there. So what was really happening was the grass was pretty just drunk on water, like getting exactly what it needed mm-hmm. week after week. And now that we've hit this dry spell here for a while, I feel like everything has kind of turned quickly because it was like just getting exactly what it wanted and now not so much. And we had that really extreme heat at the same time. So everything looks pretty toasty right about now, but we're supposed to get some rain the next couple of days and then that cool down. So I think it'll be back. Yeah, you'll bounce back quick. And that's that same thing we've seen is just, you know, really, really good recovery periods after that weather. So, you know, if you're at home and it's been a tough, a tough summer, one, I'm sorry, but it's summer. I mean, they, you got to give yourself a little bit of grace, right? Okay. You got to measure no, those ex- you don't. expectations. <laughs> okay. That's, at least if you're me, I look at everything and I still like, it'll be like 110 outside and I have a three month old front yard and I look at it and I'll find a few spots that I'm like, those are a little bit yellower than the other spots next to it. I wonder what's happening in the soil and why it's not looking perfect. And Kels will be like, it is the middle of July. Like, what are you talking about? And like, no, these are my expectations. So and then she tells me to go away, which I probably need to. You do. You need to get away from there from a little bit, but I, I don't get too worked. I get less worked up now. I just get more inquisitive, curious, all that kind of stuff of trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, why things like that. But that's actually pretty much is, where I am as, you know, like we've talked about, I I've done enough ryegrass and know enough ryegrass at every single stage of the season and things that I kind of know what to expect. But now I'm at that phase of, like I said, it's more what could be happening in this little spot as to why it looks a little better or, you know, I'm learning this soil and the different properties that I have here compared to what I had before. So this season I've been paying attention more in detective mode of, what's been going on and possibly why. Well, so I was telling somebody a few weeks ago, we went through one of those cool stretches and I said, you know, this is going to be that one year out of 10 that um, makes us look like absolute fools for putting Bermuda grass in. So it was funny. I I thought about that conversation as we looked at the weather here going to next week. It's, it's not quite as cool here, but it's still cooler. And, uh, then your video, your newest video pops up and I'm like, Oh boy, yeah. RK <laughs> throws down Bermuda grass seed and then whammo. Yep. We're down in the seventies for lows or excuse me, highs. Yep. So, uh, well, and everyone told did, me like, why did you wait until now? And I was like, well, there's a few reasons. One, I was taking an area that was massively in in well i mean it was just a huge brome area from before so 
I had to do a little work to get rid of some of that stuff. That took a little mm-hmm. bit of time to actually get it fairly clean. And then I was waiting on the heat to come because I figured mid July, somewhere around there should be about as warm as we get that I could do that, but it just never happened really here. So I was working on so many other things and just got busy and realized all of a sudden that it was almost August and I hadn't done any of this stuff. And I was like, well, what the hell? We'll just do it anyway. And it's such a small area. It's like 200 square feet that people today are like, well, this isn't going to be a good representation because it's not, you planted this late and you did this. I was like, okay, great. I'll just redo it next year. Big deal. You know what you could do, especially because of where it's at and it's isolated and everything like that. Just throwing it out there. You could, it, it, this could turn into your redneck blue, blue muta pot, right? Yeah. Where you get up as much Bermuda as you can and then come back here in another five weeks, six weeks, go ahead and put some bluegrass in there. And then next season, you know, coming into early summer, go ahead and throw the well, a little bit more Bermuda out there and yeah, just see see what you can do. The possibilities I mean, are endless. There are no rules. Uh, listen, uh, remember? Do you, I know we've talked about it before? And I uh, sometimes I can be a glass um, half empty guy, but most of the time I'm pretty optimistic, pretty silver lining. I can remember where I was when you called. I was in the backyard of my old old house, and by golly, oh, I've, had a, I've made a terrible mistake. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it still was a mistake. <laughs> I was going to talk about that on the show today. How much I hate tall fescue. But we'll talk about that. Why? So you planted it. It was no big deal. Okay. I want to hear you out, but to give you the floor, why not on the tall fescue? I don't know. I just, I still cannot get in touch with taller grass after seeing what I see with my real mode stuff and that's just another thing is real mowers will ruin you for the rest of your mowing days because (laughs) everything else that you see i don't care what it is fresh blades whatever i just feel like i can never cut fescue and have it look like amazingly decent i just i i always look at it the next day i'm like is my mower blade just a piece of garbage or what is going on with this and so why, why won't you real mow? Why, why, why can't you? Well, I mean, I have, I definitely could, but I don't have enough real mower, you know, to get to everything and transport it all around the property and do all this stuff at this point. So damn it. In order to get my work done, I have to do what I have to do. But, uh, and texture wise and just various things that I have going on with some of my plots, I have a little bit, I feel like no matter what I do, there's always some sort of slight bit of fungus going on in the very humid weather here of my tall fescue where I'm like, I just don't understand. I mean, I understand what the grass is for as far as it's going to work in a lot of situations for people who are not as crazy as me and who do not want to be out working on their yard as meticulously as I do. So I understand the points of these things. But as far as me looking at the plots that I have, seeing the different grasses and things. I'm like, I just don't personally love, love it at all. It is the Toyota Camry of grasses, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be nice. It can be stylish, but you know, if it's a little older, you know, it's a, it's an A to B vehicle. It's a daily driver. Uh, I don't, I don't fault anybody who grows it. I just, you know, the thing that gets, 
me riled up is that there was this resurgence and, and it had a lot to do with, you know, genetics and breeding and, and people taking turf type tall fescue to an, uh, a place where it had never been before and, and have really continued to do good stuff. I mean, if you see high quality tall fescue growing, especially like a sod, right? So, um, and if you looked at those two side by side, you would have a hard time looking at, at bluegrass, you know, Kentucky bluegrass versus tall fescue and being like, Oh, that's this. And that's that. Um, so I think it is possible to get it there, but there are some concessions, right? Like to what your point is about, you know, um, disease prevalence and things like that. Now it's not like, uh, it's disease risk profile is a little bit different than say Kentucky bluegrass or ryegrass, but it's not, greater than or Mm -hmm. uh, less than, right? It's about the same, I say, in terms of what you'd have to treat for and worry about and everything like that. So, but the the, what I was getting at there is that a lot of people kind of came down the pike and were like, oh, this is going to be the magic. And you hear this about, insert any product, right? And, And we've discussed this before on the show is that, you know, there is no silver bullet, right? There are flaws to that grass. And from your standpoint of what you're saying is it is, you know, out of all the cool season grass is probably the, on the lower end of the amenity turf, right? Like something that you want to be aesthetically beautiful almost all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where, well, and that's what I was look at a cut too. Yeah. What I was trying to do with it was represent it as if, most people or as the way that most people would take care of it. So you're cutting it three, maybe three and a half, four inches, somewhere like that. And then as soon as you get to that point, in my opinion, in our climate, you're having a pretty wet year. And also just, you know, how my grass goes, where the way I'm taking care of things, it starts to just get to a point of thickness where I showed a, a couple of videos ago. I was like, it's just messy. No matter what, like you're putting a, traffic on it mowing it every three days or something and it just starts to lay down it starts to do things that i just don't love with it and so i think what i'll do next year and what i'm gonna plan to do as this cool down comes is just try to improve the texture and get it cut down lower and see if i can maintain it better and all those really super tall yard people can just not have a good representation on my plots but that's kind of what i feel like is going to be going forward is going to make it look the best. Cause right now I'm just not happy with it where it is. I think uh, there's, um, there's, a f- I know there are plots out there right now. And I don't want to say where I've seen, and I haven't seen them in person. I've only seen pictures of them, but there are, um, a, a few tall cultivar, or excuse me, turf type tall fescue cultivars. Wow. Um, <laughs> And I'm not even drinking, by the way, um, that um, they are being mowed right now in uh, trial plots uh, somewhere between three quarters and one inch with a real mower. And they look really good. Yeah, I have my low cut one at one inch right now. Yeah, so I, I, I still think that there's something there. Um, and I don't know, I think uh I will also wonder too, and the species dynamic would be weird and you'd have to really get specific on cultivars, color texture, all that kind of stuff. But a 50, 50 blend of tall fescue and bluegrass. I think at some point your bluegrass is going to continue to overtake it. Right. But 
from a species diversity standpoint, I think the first five years of that plot and those then that stand would be really, really interesting, especially if you have some of the higher end tall fescue you know, uh, cultivars in there. Mm-hmm. There could be something there. Yeah. So there is no perfect, there is no perfect blend. There is no perfect mixture, right? No. You're, you're just trying to hide weaknesses with all those. So, and I've been surprised that, you know, I think what the reason that most people went with tall fescue is going to save the world is because of it being more drought tolerant, but yet, uh, isn't it extremely better in, as far as where I'm at right now and my plots looking at things, I'm seeing quite a bit of wilt on it just like the other grasses in about the same amount of time. Now, bluegrass is definitely the first one because it doesn't love anything except being drowned in water. But uh, <sighs> the, yeah. at least bit. in a sandy soil, especially. <laughs> sure. But uh, I, I mean, I don't see extreme things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't watered this fescue for however long. And like, it's just as green as it always was. Like, no, it still needs things just like every other plant. So the the representation of it maybe gets skewed a little bit too sometimes as though it's some super power grass that doesn't need any water it doesn't need whatever but well and that's the thing is there's uh there's some good stuff on there about let me see if i can find that anyway about drought resistance drought avoidance drought tolerance right there's different terms and uh the idea that tall fescue, uh, I believe it's drought avoidance, right? That it's really, really good at, right? So it takes a long time for it to go dormant. Once it does, it shuts down and then it springs right back up as soon as you put water to it. We actually saw that. There were some excellent pictures and, and examples of that um, here in Ohio because we had, uh, you know, go back to weather talk a little bit, we had a really, really uh, mild colder than normal spring and then immediately uh we went right into hot weather right before our last cast right through memorial day weekend as i had said and all and and then we had like a a stretch of like it was 17 18 days of no rain whatsoever and all these fescue lawns just went good night bye so did the bluegrass too that was irrigated, but the fescue lawns snapped out of it super quick like we had rain a couple days of rain Two days later, you could barely tell, and a week later, you couldn't tell at all that yeah. any of that had occurred. So, uh, those are the types of things that you like to see. And I, I don't know. All right, uh, you'll come around to it, okay? We just got to find the right one for you. No, we got to find the right. We got to find the right Camry for you. I'm thinking about wiping out like almost all of my plots and planting just ryegrass and doing becoming the world's <laughs> facility the for ryegrass. I was going to say, what is the, uh, there's got to be a, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll write to the Guinness Book of World Records or tweet them or something and, and see what needs to happen to make that literally the ryegrass capital of the world. Yeah. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm over-exaggerating things as if fescue, you know, just looks like garbage because most people who come by and look at any of the plots are like, oh, this is nice or that's nice. Like they... It's very much because I have ryegrass brain and everything that is not ryegrass and does not look the way that that does, does not compare to me. So just being honest. It is what it is. Notice that RD did not say in his area there was bluegrass or fescue lawns. There's no ryegrass lawns. No one's that crazy. 
There's no, there's really not. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, there I mean, probably it could be done. It could be done. I mean, if it is, it's somebody that was just like, you know, they, they saw fast growing. Or they watched you know, this weirdo on YouTube. That's those are the two options. <laughs> Somewhere, you know, when the when the history books of, of Ryegrass are written, there'll be the whole chapter on Nor of like the Renaissance man, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I want my I want my page on Wikipedia under the entry here. Why not? Somebody somebody needs to do it. So I'll give you one is that uh so we have uh We've moved into a new house and um, the lawn here, RK, is wretched. <laughs> I mean, it's bad. Nice house, beautiful home, old home, 100 years old, roughly. And um, the backyard is probably, I'm going to go ahead and say it's about 20%. Eh, I'll take that back. I'm going to say it's 10% ryegrass. 10% fine fescue and 80% um, ground ivy. Oh, okay. It is hammered, hammered. <laughs> and it's weird because it's like, it's actually pretty funny. I'll have to send a picture to you, but you've got mostly rye grass on one side. You've got this huge long swath of uh, ground ivy in the middle and then fine fescue up against the fence on the other side. And, uh, it is it is literally like a like a turf professor's like backyard. It'd be like, all right, now over here, you know, we got <laughs> shaded. So then, uh, no, no, uh, there's there, there's there's a, there is a tree about midway through the property, but it doesn't really disturb the uh, disturb the grass so much, okay. and so we should be fine there. Now the front yard. Uh, probably an even bigger train wreck because it is 90% zoysia, 1% ryegrass, and the balance is like clover. Mm. And it is like the old, like parade magazine plugs, zoysia, like the shit that, you know, if there was a nuclear holocaust, it's probably still need mode, you know, two weeks from now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's gonna take it's gonna take a little bit of effort on those ones. So yeah, I, I think now here is is where I need your help. I need your guidance, you know. And uh, this is this is exactly why for the folks that are listening at home, why we only talk, especially in the season when there's motive and opportunity. Because if we talked more frequently, we would do way more stupid shit way more often. All right, so hear me Probably out. Probably true. <laughs> no, it's definitely true. All right, so I'm not going to worry about the backyard. I'm just going to spray the weeds out. I'll deal with what's left, and we'll get there at some point. I've got way bigger fish to fry. I've got a lot of other stuff around here that I want to do and improve and fix and throw money into. And quite honestly, the backyard is not, um, you know, tickling my pickle. So the idea in the front yard, spray it out. And we'll be using uh, Ray, the Green Duck, Soul Stealer mix, which is going to be Pilex, Fusillade, and Roundup all together. And those will be three sprays. I'm actually going to start that this weekend here. Uh, And we'll do three apps that are uh, roughly seven days apart and try to smoke out everything that's there. And then, RK, 
the sod cutter comes in and we're going to cut all that oh. sod up, haul it all away, get rid of it. Get some really good soil underneath. Uh, but do have some grading issues though. It kind of, there's a, uh, a pretty good size uh, rise from the sidewalk. And then you come about five feet into the yard from the house. And if you walk up that hill, you're probably about three feet higher when you're in the yard than you would be at the sidewalk elevation. So there's this big kind of slope that's got to get graded out. But the, here's the real question, okay? All right. How many square feet did you say this was? <clears throat> oh, this uh, this is probably no more than about 1,600 square feet. Okay. Okay. 1,500, 1,600. Not big at all. So, you know, you can do some stuff out here and not get crazy expensive because it's not very big. That's a good thing. All right. So here's the here's option A, option B. You tell me which wormhole we're going to go down and we'll talk about it in depth. Option A, uh, we regrade and I probably will have to bring a little bit of soil in and I'll just use, you know, like a processed topsoil from here. I'm not going to go crazy and, uh, you know, go to the soil place and be like, you know, can I get this soil? Well, we got just your average soil, you know, and talk to Mr. Winston dangling off his lip guy there. Don't want to do that. You've been there before. You know what that's like. I have. <laughs> He's probably still got that Winston dangling on his lip. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the um, there's that aspect. And then we'll probably go with uh, 100% bluegrass. And I don't know if I would use the mass sport, the Rotorola, like you sell on your site, or if I would go with a real mower and mow it at like an inch, inch and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's option one. All right. Not going to get into cultivars. Cause like I'll make work, whatever, you know, you, I, I'm the chef that if you, you know, if you sent me into, you know, uh high V or Kroger, I'll still be able to make you a really nice meal. Now option two, we get all that soil. Okay, we, we harvest all that side, get rid of it. We grade with the soil that we have and create a subgrade minus about, I'll say, four inches or so, maybe six. I think I can get away with four. I know what's coming. You know what's coming. So then we go with uh, modified sand root zone. So like a, a 622, like what we would call divot mix in the day. So that's 60% sand or six parts sand, two parts or 20% peat moss, and then 20% or two uh, screened topsoil. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, the nice thing about that over like pure sand or whatever is that it's got really good moisture holding properties, but it will also drain pretty well. Holds a little bit more nutrients as well. So when you're trying to grow in or just maintain everything like that, you can maintain it a, little, a lot closer to uh, a soil type regime as opposed to a pure sand. Okay. So we do that and then, okay, bet grass, real mode. And I'm thinking like quarter, you know, like oh yeah, somewhere between 0.25 and 0.3 and just go balls to the wall. This is not even a question. You know what I'm going to pick. Oh, really? Are you, I, I mean, bluegrass blue- is so easy. There's no, compared to the second option, it's like 
it's just way not even fun compared to the second option. All right. So here's the next question then. Do you go with like, you know, I, I've seen, um, you know, some of the entrance into the market as far as like, you know, the, uh, oh, you got the Allet, you got the Swordman, all that kind of stuff. Is it, I, I really don't feel comfortable with those uh, mowers. It's just mowers. I don't think you'd go to point two on those and be like, mm. super happy. Probably, I, I don't know. I mean, I've never went down that low on mine, but. What do you think the bottom limit on that is? Just if you had to hazard a guess. I think that it actually, by the numbers, is supposed to be about 0.2. Now, I want to tell you about a weird idea I have. This is just a side note. So someone got me interested. Well, they didn't get me interested, but I've been thinking (laughs) about it. Is this guy a drug dealer? We're going to have to have that talk (laughs) again. Trying to do a small replica of the same height as Wimbledon, which is on ryegrass, which is like eight millimeters. Uh-huh. So that's not, you know, extremely, extremely low. But I was no. trying to think about I have a, an area that I think I could do that as a not a huge plot, not a super small plot, but it wouldn't be. <laughs> Listen, OK. All right. Hear me out. You don't have to be the ryegrass capital of the world or of Iowa uh, by having the most ryegrass. And I know, what's the name of the tennis club? Yeah, I was going to tell you. That's the, they have like a tennis, a grass tennis court. Is it just one? I think so. I got to look this up. So what if you did it better than they did? Iowa grass tennis court. Okay. Of the all Iowa lawn tennis club. This is in uh, Charles City, Iowa, which for those of you scoring at home is, uh, oh, up there between uh, Waterloo and Mason City. Yeah. You know, northern, north central part of the state. So, I don't know. It looks okay. Oh, dude, you could beat this. All right, so what if you built like a replica of Wimbledon? Yeah, you, you, you could kill this, RK. Put these guys out of business. <laughs> well, I am thinking I mean, about it, though. I, I am thinking it would be pretty fun. It would be amazing. Are you kidding me? And the, uh, I'm just figuring like Field of Dreams, and I, I think that's what they were trying to do here because there's like barns and like a grain silo and uh a bunch of other stuff around this so yeah they call it the court of dreams alex j coon court of dreams oh man i think he got this yeah so i'm i'm so I'm thinking about it i might get rid of some fescue and put that in <laughs> <laughs> i think you're just looking for a reason at this <laughs> point to you know give give fescue its walking papers right yeah no i do have fescue. i do have a good area though that's kind of a, a square that's already has the irrigation put in and all the corners and all that. So it would work. And then I could just set up a, uh, a net. Do you play tennis? No, but I, you- I could, I mean, I did as a kid for fun, but. Hmm. All right. You know, in a town of a thousand people, you got a tennis court and there's not a lot of other things to do. So you're going to find a way to play every sport possible and not none of them. Well, <laughs> 
I believe they call that staying out of trouble. Yeah. Well, I guess. Uh, that's so you didn't light things on fire or, you know, play mailbox baseball, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Getting I'm, back to your story there as I took us off on another tangent, but you're fine. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so do, you're going to build a tennis court. Do I build a golf green out in front? Well, that's what I was thinking. Uh, and that's what my, so my, as, as we're going to come on the show, my, my wife is texting me and she's like, cause uh, we have to have uh, the water line that goes up to the house has to get replaced. Actually fun stuff. You know, nothing, there's nothing sexy about infrastructure. There's no ribbon cutting for, no. you know, replacing the electric panel or putting a new water line in, but people sick, twisted, uh, consultants and project managers like me, I, I get off on that stuff. I love it, you know? So, uh, but they're going to tear the hell out of the front yard. So I was like, Hey, perfect timing, perfect excuse. Like off we go. Um, so now, like I said, I'm, I'm not opposed to the, the bent grass idea. Uh, well, and, and here's the other thing that I wanted to ask. There's, there's the, the sociological or cultural impact of that right? How bad is it? And you could attest to this. And I did see, uh, I've told the story on the show before about, you know, like the time I was out at your place and the weirdo that just pulled up behind your house and sat there on their car and like, just looked in awe. How bad is it to be that guy with the lawn? Well, that's what I was going to say is you have to sort of set yourself up to know you're going to be that guy. But also I know in the past, when you work on grass all day, it's kind of been like, Hey, do I really want to come home and spray some fungicides and do all this? So maybe you have the tides have turned and you want to do those things. But if that's the case, then I definitely think you should just go for it because people know you're that's, a crazy grass guy. Like they're going to find out somehow. Well, and that's part of the other thing too, is I feel better about doing it in just the front lawn because one, it's the smaller of the two front and back. And number, th- or yeah, that's that's the smaller two. Number two, though, is that you know if I have a tough day, I just hey, you know, all you got to do is the all you got to do is the front. Just get the front done. You know, you go back and look at the back, and if you're not feeling it, you can be like, you know what, screw that ground ivy. I'm not mowing you tonight. No, you know, it's the same thing I did in my old house, and it did feel it felt better to me because I was like, okay, I've got one area that I have to care for. And sometimes you don't want to do it, but a lot of times it's like, Hey, I can get this done. It's only one backpack spray and I'm done. And the, but the back area at my old house too, I would just most of the time during the summer be like, whatever happens, if it rains, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's not bad. It's, it's not hard to deal with something like that, but. Yeah. I don't know. I've got to figure this out here pretty quick though. Cause it is uh fast approaching decision time and i've been i haven't been putting it off but needed i needed to to vet it out with uh somebody who is on my level of craziness so i mean i think would you know or have experience with greens mowers i think that you'd probably want to go something something that route although the the smaller options you know where i know some of those maybe it's like alad i think you can get like a 14 inch or a like something on a small area might be decent. Whereas I know, you know, the green mowers are like, they're not hard to deal with, but when it's a super small spot, it's kind of a pain in the ass. There is that aspect of it. The other aspect that I'm more concerned about is just cultural practices and not necessarily like, 
airifying it mm-hmm. more so, you know, thatch management, because especially with the newer bent grasses, you know, the ones that I would be looking at using, they're very aggressive thatch formers. And if you don't combat that and even just diluting it with top dressing is not nearly enough. Like you have to yeah. physically remove that and stay on top of that. So, you know, verticutting, brushing, things like that. And, uh, staying on top of it, having that capability in a mower would be yeah, definitely true. Nice, yep, nice. But so yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not saying it know. couldn't do it. I just I don't know. I I never tested mine down to like as low as it could possibly cut to well, see. But and maybe it's you know an outlet or something like that, uh, or a swordman for just the cultural practices, and then you know a. Uh, a, a, you know a toro or something like that yeah. for the mowing that's piece. pretty much what i have mine set up for now i just leave the cartridge in there to on the the uh, other on the swordman to just once i'm doing renovation stuff i liked that electric one for those reasons because it kind of has like a double speed mode where you can really turn the reel and get it going fast so uh, yeah i mean they do make some higher end uh, you know, the Hudson uh, reel mower too. That's like a push. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I thought about that yeah. too. That's, that, that's not a bad option either. They're not cheap though. No, I think they're no. three, what three grand, something like that. Yeah. Probably two something. I think. Okay. I can't All remember right. now for sure, but I will look into that as well. Uh, Robert Palmer's got one of those turf therapy. Mm-hmm. 24 90. That's the, uh, that's the number there, twenty four ninety on those bad boys. Yeah. So, uh, okay. And there was something else I was going to say. Oh, so I did get to see something interesting, and I did not send you pictures yet, but uh, I got to see it up close and in person for the first time, and it's actually the same system that they're using at uh, Allianz for uh, the Minnesota MLS team there. So we get to see the stitch system that they are uh, starting to deploy. And there's several different iterations of this or, or competing products around the world on soccer pitches, like stabilized. So basically they have a machine that has individual fibers. And they almost look like the individual blades or tufts of turf on a synthetic field. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they take it and they drill it down in essentially into the soil and kind of sew it into the root zone and interweave it with the, with the roots that are actually, you know, growing in there. And it provides, you know, stabilization of that root zone material. So it doesn't divot um, as easily or at all in some cases. And then uh, the idea is, is that in most cases you put ryegrass into it and you just grow ryegrass and that's the predominant, you know, grass in the stand, if not the only grass in the stand. So, I don't, I, I, I wonder, and it's really traffic based, you know, uh, for stability and, and all that kind of stuff. But I do want to send you the pictures because I think that, uh, you're not going to have a machine show up at your place. Okay. I'm not ta- trying to talk you into that, but I do, I, I do wonder if there's something there that on a small scale of whether it's incorporating into soil or something like that, you know, some sort of homeowner and and here's the areas i'm thinking about like you know like the area that's like just off the patio in the backyard like where the dogs run or the kids yep. you know go out or anything like that i wonder if there's something there to that i'm actually going to be testing a product like that very soon 
Well, tell me a little bit more. Tell me as much as you can. Well, it's like a similar to a piece of artificial turf is kind of what it looks like, but Uh then it has space in between for seeding or actually I think they're making some of them with grass mats on the backside that are already pre-seeded. And so so essentially you lay it down, start watering, and then you staple it in um, wherever you need it. So they're built for around fence lines or like where a dog would run constantly or coming off of a patio where everybody walks in the same spot and they just keep, you know, the grass just keeps getting worse and worse in these sections. And then they're made to stay in. uh, And I think what I asked them about mowing height, I think that you can get it down to about two inches or so. And like without hitting into the actual fibers there that are going to be, what holds everything in place. But yeah, I have a couple different tests that I'm going to be doing with those soon just to see what it's like. It, it looks interesting. Yeah. Those are the ones at the backing were sort of like the first entrance into the market on like what we call a hybrid turf system, right? Where you have a component of it that is synthetic. And usually that makes up, you know, somewhere between like 10 and 30% of the actual you know surface area. And then, the balance of that is made up of natural grass. And so those backing type systems were good. Uh, they were a, a good first way to do it. So some of the problems that they ran into though, were that, you know, certain ones you couldn't aerate through certain ones you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all build up what they call it's affectionately referred to RK as the slime layer. Yeah. And that's where all those clippings that people will claim, Oh, it's going to cause thatch. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's something different. But um, for all the other uh, non-YouTube experts, the the grass blades will fall down in there, and there's nowhere for them to decompose further down into the soil. They yep. can't break through this. This backing is like a not a hard plastic. Um, I don't know. There's a good. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that would be almost like a placemat if yeah. you want to think of it like that. But it's punched so that water can get down through it and everything like that. It still drains. And uh, see, in this one that I have, I think I haven't studied it extremely closely, but it looks more like a a wood fiber blanket, like a oh. like a netless type of situation. So that I think it's supposed to kind of biodegrade. Um, and we'll see how it goes. But what is this stuff? I'm gonna have to look this up because there's uh, man, hang on. I'll look. I'll look this up in my email because there was something that was suggested to me in a similar situation. And anyhow, so was this that they approached you or did you approach them? And what, what are your hopes, dreams, aspirations? Yeah, for I think they approached product? me, just said like, Hey, we see that you do a whole lot of renovation stuff and you got grass seed and things to test. Like, would you want to test, test out these? And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And they sent me a couple samples to look at just to see if it was something I was interested in trying. And then, this was getting more towards early summer already where I was like, well, I don't want to see a whole bunch of stuff right now. Cause it's not a great accurate look at what would happen. Just, you know, I'd rather wait until late summer, early fall when I would typically be seeding and do it that way. So, uh-huh. Well, that's something again with what they, uh, want to do here. This is, Hmm. Yeah, I'll find out and see if I can. The one that I'm thinking of uh, is a similar type product, and 
they use it in a variety of applications, like what you're saying, traffic areas, but also in like stormwater. So like ditches where they have to mm-hmm. stabilize and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So interesting. But yeah, that was, uh, I'm anxious to hear the results of that. Just like, uh, you know, they, I got to see this stuff. I knew they were putting it in and then they had a match and this is actually like in a warm up area, you know, where, where players are off the side and just getting loose and getting into the game before they go in the game. And it really gets beat up because it's just a really small and confined area. Mm-hmm. And the difference between, um, you know, treated versus non-treated, essentially, just completely different, you know. And and so uh, I'll be anxious to see how that works out because I think that there's a, a market there. If it's more like what you're saying, it's easy to just cut a piece in and say, okay, I'm going to trim it to this shape and size yep. and boom, off we go. Because yep. we all have those spots that, you're just never going to grow anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At our old place, it was always coming right off the deck steps. There's just always a spot where you just step every time you walk around a corner or something like that, where it just is what it is. It's hard to deal with. And, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to trying that. And, you know, speaking of the, that ryegrass, there's, we need to get somebody on here who's as much of a lover of ryegrass and works at these soccer pitches, uh, sometime just to, I'll work on get that. Get some of their uh, their thoughts on things and talk to someone who's probably... Equally as crazy. Yeah, or maybe they're like, I hate this grass and you're crazy, so... It could <laughs> it could turn into that. It could be confrontational. It could be like Jerry Springer, like, you know... What we're, did you we're say? Bringing out, <laughs> we, need a, we need our own Steve Wilkos over yeah. here to keep the peace. Something like that. Uh, so we have a couple other topics. I think one, oh. we should touch on some of the cool projects that you have coming up. And then the other thing that I have coming up is I'm going to be doing some more renovation on the front yard. It's looking really, really good, but we're at the point where I got to get some, some things a little more smoothed out and I'm still debating what I'm going to get wrap my mind. Go on. I'm still Go debating ahead. on, I think I'm going to try it this fall what you were talking about is pulling some cores, see if I can drag them around and break them up. But I have a feeling that the soil is a little heavier than I anticipated. It really was compared to down by the plots. Uh So I don't know if it'll work, but I think if it, if I give it a shot and it doesn't work great, then I'll probably just start in on sand like next spring and just start doing a cap. Yeah. I think the cap's fine. I think this is like your one chance to see how that goes. And worst case scenario, like you, you, have clarity that that's not going to work, but um, I, that'd be interesting of just doing a, a, a soil texture analysis between that site. Obviously, I I think um, I don't know. Part of me says that maybe just because of that soil up top was disturbed so much during construction, and yeah, whatnot, that yeah, there's not a perhaps as much of the top soil left there as there is down by the bottom part, so. Mm-hmm. it's definitely has been mixed because that's what I'm seeing. That's driving me crazy is there's some spots that I can definitely tell where there's more compaction and the grass just doesn't thrive quite as much. It wants to go off color a little more quickly and dries out more. And that's just the nature of having an area that was driven on by cement trucks last summer and all this other stuff. I really can't believe that it, it has done as well as it has, to be honest with you. And some of the, stuff that I saw driving on that soil constantly. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think there, that it'll be interesting is if you can, uh, it enough 
and get enough surface disruption and break some of that stuff up that if you'll get some of those uh, larger particles, more like more sand mm-hmm. to work their way back up to the top. Right. Right. So um, that could happen. Yeah. I'm going to well give it a shot. And then the other thing was I started the spray out on the big field. And oh, so golly. that's real nice and toasty, except for dealing a lot here with, uh, I think it's called water hemp. Oh, really? Which is now like resistant to five different chemicals. I believe I looked up or something. It is like glyphosate does not touch it whatsoever. It just doesn't care at all. So also today I was driving through that field and there's a few spots of tall fescue from when I planted some originally, like down towards the bottom of that, where I want to put the golf green. Mm -hmm. I planted that like two falls ago and it's been sprayed now like three or four times. And some of it is not dying. Really? Yes. Like I'm getting some tall fescue that glyph that we have hit three or four times with glyphosate. At what rate? Uh, well, let's see. The last one would have been like 4%. Whoa. Yeah. There's some that I'm like, what is mutant in this that is not dying? And <laughs> time to send that to Ames and <laughs> let's get some tests yeah. done here. That's concerning yes it is actually uh like sir like i will show you tomorrow uh, i'll get some photos and i because i was is it like literally the only thing that's left in there and everything else is smoked out yes except for that water hemp stuff too Hmm. yeah gonna need pics on this i will send you some that's really concerning but i went through i even cultivated it somewhat last year so like i we've sprayed it twice and i had it done by a co-op so they used some stuff that got rid of everything like i think it had glyphosate and dicamba in it like just wiped the whole thing clean then i planted that cereal rye that cover crop so before then Mm -hmm. i took my ventrac through there used the power rake and like smoothed everything out and yet this year it's been sprayed again so that's the third time and also did that cultivation work and planted a cover crop and whatever, and it's still there. I don't know. Is this heaven? The look on Hardy's no, face right Iowa. now. Is like, I'm concerned. Yeah. Like I, I now I like this. This is more of like the curiosity thing uh, of what is going on. I'm I'm dead serious. I think I need to send that in to the boys at Iowa State and let them pour over that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, so hmm. that those are a couple of big projects. I'm trying to figure out now what I'm going to do with that uh, large area. If I'm going to try to hydro mulch it, or if I'm going to try to time it well and just cross my fingers that I don't get a complete washout. But I don't know if that's a good idea. You know me. Listen, erosion's a killer. It's one of the most demoralizing things that can happen in a project. Don't let it happen to you, RK. Yeah, I know. I do have a You're guy. I do have a guy that I know now that has a hydro mulcher. So it'd be interesting to try. How big of an area is it? Um, an acre. Oh, and it is like how is the slope across the entire thing, or just parts of it, or what? It's so you remember the big field where we were standing, like from the house area, it all slopes mm-hmm. somewhat down to that 
uh, future golf green type of area. Mm, I mean, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would, uh, ask, ask your buddy, uh, if he's ever used uh, a product called Flexterra. Okay. From profile products. Let's see what he has to say. Okay. Flexterra is what I, here's how I would equate it. It is the Futura netless blanket, but it goes through a hydromulture. Okay. Or high. Yeah. So, it's you know a little bit more expensive than standard like seventy thirty wood fiber paper hydro mulch, but the performance on it, especially on slopes and gradients, is far and away better. Like than just about anything you can use. So ask him about it and see what he has to say. Okay, see if he's ever used it. All right, I will do that. See, see, and maybe do a little side by side. You know, do some seventy thirty right next to some flex terror and just see what the hell happens. Yeah. I'm That's just hoping that premise. we actually continue some of this decent weather with some rain. And then, I mean, I'm growing ryegrass. That, sh- that won't be all that difficult if I can time things correctly. But You've got this. Yeah. You've got it. Especially with that forecast, too. You can't, you're not going to miss on that. But I don't really know exactly what to do with this, these and uh, other weeds that I'm having trouble getting rid of because... <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying is I think there are, you know, you have like uh, glyphosate resistant mare's tail and, and weird stuff like that. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to send some of those in, screen it and just see, hey, is there something going on here? And, you know, maybe the, the critical mass just haven't, hasn't built up in that plant uh, or I, I don't know. I'm yeah. really baffled by it. And I could call I the, answers. I could call the co-op, though, too, probably because they do a lot of spraying and see. As far as like some of those weeds that I'm having trouble with, I'm sure they're going to be able to figure out because they also do turf. So they would know like what I could and couldn't spray on it. And as far as timelines too, but start there. Yeah. I need to know. (laughs) I'm going to be thinking about that like all day tomorrow. I'll go get you a photo because it is very strange to see a patch of fescue in just clumps that, is out in, in in dead land against everything else. Mm. Well, we'll we'll sort that out. I I don't have uh, I don't think I have anything this fall that's that that intriguing as a potentially Roundup resistant or, or glyphosate resistant plant. I feel I feel uh, <laughs> inadequate right now. No, I think you have some uh, some interesting stuff coming up. No, we do. There's some, um, we've got a, a couple high profile projects, uh, and then a lot of, uh, baseball and softball field work. So that's, that's kind of the name of the game is you, you know, you do the work in the off season for those sports. So, uh, we'll be doing a lot of that, but, uh, our, our big one that's coming up is the, the Savannah bananas of, uh, apparently TikTok and, Instagram and social media fame, you know, they kind of had this meteoric rise through COVID and, and, and in the years since, and they've blown up, I mean, just blown up in popularity and they go all around the country barnstorming kind of like the, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. If you're not familiar with them, uh, they, they play a brand of baseball called banana ball where, the rules are a little bit different. It's way more entertaining. The game only lasts two hours, two hours only at the dead stop. Um, you know, if a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of weird things. There was one, 
RK, like uh, it's probably two, three weeks ago where a fan and I can't remember what city it was in, but a fan uh, down the third base foul line caught a foul ball for the very last out. And like they went and grabbed him out of the bleachers and took him to run on the field and high five everybody. <laughs> and the whole thing. So uh, it's, it's a wild show, but they play, uh, they play baseball at uh, a place called Grayson stadium. Grayson stadium is in Savannah there in an old park. And for those of you that don't know, you probably do know Savannah because about five or man, it's probably more than five blocks, but not too far from where Grayson stadium is, is actually the park where um, it's Forsyth park where uh, Forrest Gump and the whole bench scene, like where the bus is going by and he's sitting there talking to the ladies and all that kind of stuff during it as he narrates the movie that's in Savannah. Um, a beautiful place. And this uh, this the stadium, Grayson Stadium, is uh, almost I think it's almost 100 years old. I want to say it's 95, 96, 97 years old, something like that. So uh, you know, in this stadium, um, Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, um, Hank Aaron have all played there in you know different exhibitions over the years, and it's mostly been a minor league park. But uh, the the Bananas used to play. A quote unquote real baseball, uh, along with all their exhibition stuff, where they, you know, sort of perfected their craft and, and got going on that route. So, you know, as they've grown up and blown up in these last three years, you know, their need for the, the field to be better and all that has been, um, you know, just creating, you know, cranking up more and more. There's more demand for people to come see them. People travel from all over the country to come watch games there. And so, you know, if they don't play, it's a big deal because, you know, somebody's in a hotel that came from Iowa, you know, potentially to come watch them. So, um, so yeah, you're taking a field that, you know, has been rebuilt several times throughout its history, but now it's going to probably get its first real major, major, um, you know, surgery to go under the knife and kind of modernize everything inside the walls and, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, you go in a stadium that or a place that old and you know, there's no telling what you're going to find. And it's definitely something that, um, will be a challenge. I mean, it's one of those ones that we'll probably, you know, have, we, we have it planned, you know, to the hilt right now, but I can guarantee you that there's going to be a lot of things that, you know, change or have to be dealt with as we go just because of budget, you know, the age and what's there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but Exciting stuff for, you know, a little firm in Columbus, Ohio to get to do that. And um, the city, the city of Savannah actually owns the stadium there and leases it out to the banana. So they've been uh, great to work with and very thoughtful. And, um, you know, they understand that it's a historic field. You know, there's there's value in investing in something like that. And certainly the bananas have breathed a lot of new life into it. So um, there's sort of this you don't always see this. There's a lot of uh, collective energy. You know, sometimes you do projects like this that are really, really big and there's, you know, warring factions and different stakeholder groups that are either, Oh, we got to do it or how you're spending too much money. Or, you know, I wish you would have done, you know, this, this and that too, or whatever. And on this one, it sort of feels like um, everybody's in lockstep. Everybody's feeling, you know, like this is an opportunity and this is going to be a good thing. Um, you know, to, to move everybody, you know, the city franchise, all that kind of stuff forward. So, yeah. So, uh, 
little old field source RK. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know? So when did you say you're starting this then? Yeah, so that'll kick off uh, in early October. Uh, they play their last game, and then like the day after their season, you know, stuff will start. Um, stuff will start going down, and then um, finish date will be dictated. You know, it should be right around the uh, first full week of January. Uh, they've got a, a training camp that gets in there, and you know, provided that there's no <laughs> major hiccups, RK, yeah. which again. Who knows when you dig in over there, but, uh, you know, if there's no major hiccups, then, you know, we should be out of there in mid January. They have their training camp and then they have, they start their games, uh, in February okay. there in Savannah. So, so Savannah, Savannah's weather and its climate is, you know, not unique. I mean, it's Southeastern United States, but, uh, much more akin to what we would consider, uh, late fall, early winter, type weather RK and maybe even that might be a stretch here for them. I mean, they, they have maybe uh, eight to 10 days below freezing and and that might even be a stretch. So okay, uh, it stays fairly warm there. Rain can be an issue, but for the most part, I think we're going to be able to work all the way through that period and um, get everything done. So yeah, a lot to get done in a short period of time, but that sounds. They don't really ever give you a ton, a ton of time, and a bunch of extra money to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> all the stuff that's going to come your yeah. way. But well, that's why I want to film we'll some content on this because it sounds just like, I mean, the story writes itself when you start digging into some of these things. That's, uh, I think it would be pretty fun. Yeah. No, I think I do. I do think that you know, just like you did with John Deere Classic video, I think that there's stories to be told there in terms of, you know, the everyday, like we talked about at the top of the show, you know, you go to a baseball game and you think about how many people had to, you know, come in that day or days before or weeks before months before whatever, you know, to make sure that, you know, your three hours in the ballpark were, you know, special, memorable, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's one aspect that is probably a little too existential, but, I do think about from time to time of, Hey, you know, we've got, we play a part in this in a small way. And, you know, if we do our job right, then the bananas get to play more games on that field, you know, instead of having rainouts and that's, you know, thousands more people that get to have a good time because we got to do what we enjoy doing and sounds corny, but you know, you have to have that, that glass half full mentality of, you know, what you're doing is important. And I, I don't know. Yeah. This isn't like the college lecture series, but no, it's, it's fun. So uh, what did you say they are doing for like, what are they doing for grass stuff there? Like that you're changing. Yeah. So they're actually going to go with uh, uh, a synthetic turf infield and foul territory. Cause the bananas do so much on the field in those areas um, that it's just, it's super high impact. And, you know, so they've got grass and, and dirt there right now for those two spots and it does pretty well. I mean, they, they keep up with it, but I know that they'd like to do more and, and hold more uh, camps and things like that there. So it'd behoove them to, to have something like that. And then the outfield um, is going to become, uh, it could become different. There's, there's a, um, an opportunity in there to change the wall and the geometry of the ballpark and some other things there, um, moving some fences around and things like that. But the outfield itself uh, will 
stay Bermuda grass uh, just like it is. And they don't overseed down there uh, just for the sheer fact that uh, one, it's such a short dormancy period that they can get away without doing that and be reasonably greened up by, you know, middle of April or so. And then uh, they're not really completely dormant until, you know, early November, late November, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so from that standpoint, uh, new Bermuda grass, I think uh, still trying to figure out which cultivar that will be. Uh, there's some, some good options out there. Tiff Tuff's one iron cutter and Tahoma. Those are all um, not necessarily one, two and three in order or anything like that, but definitely some good ones that um, have an opportunity to get in there and, and, and I think do a good job. So, but there's, uh, you know, you get to that level and start parsing out like, hey, what about this one? What about that one? And the reality is, is that, you know, the, just like we were talking about with Talfescu, RK, like you get to that level and you really, you know, put the magnifying glass under it. And you would really love some of these conversations that get had about oh, like, yeah. just the <laughs> most minute detail of like anything you can think of under the sun when it comes to. Um, you know, choosing grass types and then more specifically, you know, choosing the sod farm it's going to come from. Okay. Hey, yeah. Like we like this grass type, but who's going to grow it for us? Where is it going to come from? How's it raised? Like when, what's the age of the maturity? Is it a, on Bermuda grass? Is it a sprigged field? Is it a, a foundation field or is this, you know, regrowth material? What are we getting here? So, um, so much stuff that you dive into when you start talking about that. But, uh, I think the biggest thing that we always hone in on it, when we talk about this is like, it's good to have those conversations and that's awesome. And you can spend a ton of time doing it. But the reality is, is, you know, we always start from the end. All right. What kind of equipment do you currently have to take care of this? Or how much are you willing to spend to have a contractor come in and do X, Y, Z cultural practices that you're going to need to keep this surface to the standard that you want it? Yep. And if you work backwards from that, from the, you know, with the end in mind, you know, what's our mowing height going to be? How frequently you're going to mow it? Are we going to use PGRs? We're not going to use PGRs. Are we overseeding? Are we not overseeding? If we do, when, if we, if we, you know, transition and spray out, when's that going to occur? So really trying to understand the calendar of it, but also the workflows and things like that too, because, you know, anything looks great when it goes down, right. Mm-hmm. In in year one, but you know, this is a situation where, um, you know, mid-season resods and things like that, you might see at the major league level, like, that's not going to happen here. You know, this is the one shot to get something good in there that's going to last them, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully move forward from there. But um, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the idea that, uh you know, that field, you know, will go in and then next year at some point, you know, uh, millions of people will watch a TikTok or something like that of a guy that's on stilts, you know, throwing pitches or hitting home runs will, you know, that'll be that field. Yeah. You know, yeah, so it's crazy. Cool stuff. Yeah. Cool stuff. But no, I think other than that, uh, you know, a lot of high school projects that are finishing up football fields that uh, I, I don't know. The, 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 the poor old sap in me, RK just loves that stuff, you know, going out there, uh, the first game and you get a whole entire town or community or whatever piling in the stadium. And here's this field that, you know, is just 
perfect. And I don't know. That's that. That's the kind of stuff that makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. So I'm excited for that. We've got, uh, oh, I think uh, three of those total opening up. So yeah, um, awesome. It'll be exciting to see that, and just a lot going on right now. Okay. Yep. A lot. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and usually you'd have, you know, maybe a little bit of an off season or something, but since you got that big project too, it's gonna be a little bit more a little different. Nah. Take a day or two here and there, but Savannah's not the worst city in the world to, you know, have to go quote unquote work and uh you know, let's be honest, like I uh, I'll be there nerding out or stressing out or all the outs, something like that. Yeah. And it'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. So But I think the uh I think the, like what you said, the, the idea that, you know, for you, the weather's on your side, taking advantage of that. And, you know, I hope that we're able to do the same thing down there for our big project is, you know, take advantage of some good weather, get some good stuff done and, you know, realize that stuff's going to come your way that you're not prepared to deal with. And it's got to handle it folks. It's going to be fine. Yeah. I see so many people about like, you know, we, I, I think we've discussed this a little bit at length of about like, that you can over plan and you see that sometimes in some of these Facebook comments or uh, YouTube comments, things like that. We're like, hey, well, I've got this, 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 and this. And if I do this on this, it's like, okay, yeah, that's good that you're prepared, but it might not go according to plan. Yeah. No, I see that a lot of times from people who are like, they'll send me some long email about whatever and, have every single step laid out. I'm going to do it on this day. And then two days from then I'm going to do this. And then, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, perfect. But if it rains in between there, you might have to adjust, like just, it doesn't have to be quite so uh, rigid or that there's no flexibility whatsoever in changing your plan and stuff like that. But I mean, it's not bad, especially for beginners. If you actually have everything written out and you have a good plan, I think that's better than not having one because there's <laughs> obviously the other end of the spectrum too where... Wing, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's also not a good spot to be in. So plan your work, work your plan, RK. Yep. Mm. Well, we covered quite a few updates today on sort of what's been going on with us. Some of the crazy things that we possibly have coming up. I definitely think you should do the, uh, the uh, green there out front. I mean, why not? Why not? You're right. And then, okay, that's just, I mean, listen, let's just double down the degree of difficulty. Let's be that guy. And maybe I should put that, maybe we should get like one of those signs, you know, they're, they're around here. Everybody has those like brass, you know, custom made plaques with like, like their house number and their mm-hmm. street name on there. I'm just going to get one that says that guy. Yeah, there you go. I don't see why not. I mean, for you, I'm not saying it'd be like super easy, but also for what you've done in your background and all the golf stuff and all that, like, I think it'd be something kind of a blast from the past, a little bit of, fun <laughs> put the put the hole in the in the in the front yard and like kids hit cross country from all over the neighborhood yeah right at my house It'd be perfect <laughs> your wife would perfect. just love that yeah uh lower the deductible on the homeowner's policy on that one so yeah i don't know well rk it was fun catching up man We'll, we will do this sooner than seven weeks. I promise. We can't say for sure if it won't be, you know, six weeks and six days, but <laughs> yeah, 
It'll definitely be sooner than later. No, we always and we'll get some questions on the next. Yeah, one. we always have good intentions, but we're we're not uh, avoiding this for any particular reason other than we just all of a sudden realize how many weeks have gone by and our lives have just moved forward, and we're going to work harder on that. But on the next show, we should have some good stuff to talk about with lots of different renovation things that I'm doing and updates on how the craziness has gone and all that. <sighs> No doubt. And weather talk. Can't forget weather, weather talk. talk, which speaking of, I hear the on the roof right now because I live in a metal building that it is raining. Well, that's good. It is good. See, you taught, you spoke that next four tenths into existence. Yep. All right. Thank you everyone for listening on this one and we'll catch you next time.